I want to go back to 2 Timothy. I want to try to continue into chapter 4 this morning. We'll take our text from verses 1 through 5. Paul says to Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I ask that you pray for me for the rest of the time we have as we look at this section of scripture. Paul has just finished up this chapter before where he talked of the perilous times. And you may remember he started by saying that there would be hard times that would present themselves throughout uh, the history of the world and throughout your lives. And he, he, ended, he ended that by looking at our tool for uh, coming through those hard times or even avoiding those hard times, being saved from those hard times and those evil influences, which is the word of God. And then in chapter 4, uh, he, he turns to Timothy, and this is, this is the last chapter that we have from the Apostle Paul in all of Scripture. This is the last thing that's been recorded for us with this letter to Timothy. Many people believe this is the last letter that, that we have that's been secured or preserved through, the, through, the, through, through God himself and through Scripture and into our word today. And, and so he begins with what I will call his final charge. This is the, this is the final charge you know he he charged the Thessalonians that 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 they would read uh, the epistle to, to others and he charges Timothy and different things and certainly he you know a charge is a command or to lay something on someone a, a duty on them he, he gives many of those through scriptures but as we get to chapter 4 in 2nd Timothy this is the last charge that our beloved Apostle Paul is going to give in in Holy Scripture this is the last one that is preserved for us and so and this is the end of his letter and this is he, he's going to say after these that I'm now ready to be offered I'm ready to depart he knows that he is his time is limited on earth and to his his one of his children in the ministry one of his sons in the ministry he is he's giving him one last charge and this is this is when, when he says I charge you he's, he's making a big deal about what he's going to say this is something that he is going to command that Timothy do it, it's almost it's almost like in a, in a court of law there may be charges or commands that are given to someone and you know they're given in front of witnesses in front of their attorneys in front of the jury and so Paul uh, begins to Timothy he says I charge thee therefore listen to who he's charging him before before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's saying, I am, I, I, am, I am laying this charge upon you, this duty upon you, Timothy. This, this thing that the church is going to need, that you're going to need to do as a minister. He says, I'm charging you, not before Peter and John even, which would have been, that would have been great, wouldn't it? Have you ever, have you ever told somebody, maybe it's your children, you say, listen, I'm saying this in front of your dad. Or I'm saying this in front of your mom. Or I'm saying this in front of this group. Have you ever said that so people know? He's saying, I'm saying this in front of God. 
the creator of heaven and earth, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the king, the master. He says, he says as he's departing, he says, I'm telling you this in front of the highest of highs that we can go. The, the holy God, the God of heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge. He says, the ultimate judge and jury. <laughs> he, the, speaking of Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. He says, the one who's going to come back to pronounce judgment on the living and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. There's many doctrinal points we could make from that. Uh, the, the first of which I will just mention here that sometimes we forget about, sometimes that I forget about. I, I've certainly enjoyed I I probably shouldn't tell you all this because I'll probably get on to y'all over and over for using your phone in church. <laughs> I emailed myself while Brother McNeil was preaching. And I said, I said, character is doing what you should do when no one's watching. <laughs> that was the subject. And, and, the, and, the, and in, the, in the, I guess, the body of the email, I said, live like God is always watching. <laughs> so I'll get that later today. <laughs> A message from myself. From McNeil. And, and I might put it on my mirror. I thought maybe I'll put that when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. Live like God is always watching. My, I, my dad gave me a plaque years ago. It said integrity is, is, is doing what you should do when no one is watching. I mean, that is integrity or character. And, and a lot of times, I, I want to think about that, but then I also want to think about live, live as if Christ is coming back, Right? Uh, when we think about the end times, and we think about how, how this, you know, Paul has not painted a pretty picture of how the world's going to go. Christ himself said that, that iniquity is going to abound because, and, and the love of many, or the love of many is going to become cold because iniquity will abound. Christ himself said that. People won't love like they should. Paul, Paul had said in this, in this uh, epistle, in the, in the third chapter, in the, in the 13th verse, he said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's not going to be good. Perilous times are going to come. People are going to begin to love themselves. They're going to love pleasure more than they love God. But you know, the thing about Paul, even though he wasn't optimistic about how the world was going to go, he was very optimistic about the king winning. Did y'all remember that? He wasn't optimistic about that the world's going to get better and better and better and better. And there's certainly things that have gotten better. Aren't y'all happy about some of the conveniences we have in life? And, 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 but you know, there's a lot of uh, danger that comes with those because as things get better and more convenient and more pleasurable, we tend to get lazier and lazier and lazier, right? Uh, so there's a, there's a balance there. Uh, but, but Paul had an optimistic view uh, about the king coming victoriously and sometimes we get so pessimistic about the way that the world is going that we forget number one that, that God is watching us as brother McNeil taught us but number two that God is waiting to appear again if you probably flip over a page or two in your in your Bible uh, in, the, in the book of Titus Paul's writing to another minister Titus and he says in verse 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word blessed there means happy. It's a happy hope. It's a joyful hope. You say, I have nothing to look forward to. My bank account, my 401k, my investments, they've been, they've been awful. They're not, they're, not, uh, they're not getting any better. 
They're, they're, do y'all ever get where you're complaining about those things? How many people have complained about the grocery bill in the last year? I shouldn't tell this, but Bo was getting his hair cut not too long ago. And he gets his hair cut at, a, at an old school barber shop. I mean, and he runs that place when he comes in, guys. Like, they like it when Bo comes in. <laughs> and um, I wasn't there. Carrie had taken him, and they were complaining about the price of barbecue. Anybody bought barbecue lately? <laughs> and then they started complaining about the price of McDonald's. <laughs> and even Bo shook his head, and he said, Joe Biden. <laughs> now, I'm not getting political. <laughs> Part of it was under Trump. We spent, a lot, we spent a lot more money than we should have spent as a country, right? But even the kids understand that things are more expensive. And you say, things look bad. Well, Paul gives Titus one happy thing that you've got to look forward to. Jesus is coming back. He says the glorious appearing. And he says when he comes back, he's going to do this. He's going to judge the quick and the dead. You know, as, a, as the church of Jesus Christ as an orthodox church you have to believe that there is going to be a general resurrection of, of, of the just and the unjust those that have passed before when Christ returns will be resurrected to be judged by Christ at his appearing and that shouldn't be something that scares you matter of fact you can go read First Thessalonians chapter 4 tonight my father in the ministry brother Sam used to always say Sam Bryant would say you need to learn First Thessalonians chapter 4 because it'll probably be read at your funeral. <laughs> and it probably will. It speaks of Christ coming back and the dead being raised uh, to meet him in the air, that they wouldn't, they, they, they wouldn't go before, that we would, those that are alive would not prevent them or go before those that were dead. And he, and he ends that whole thing by saying, comfort one another with these words. See, the return of Christ to judge is not something that should make you scared or something that should cause you to draw back or be fearful, or, 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 or not look forward to His coming, because when He comes back in judgment, He's not coming to judge you by your works, if you're one of His. He's not coming to judge you by what you've done. The judgment that will be made upon you as a child of God will be based on His merit alone. And so when He, when he separates the goats from the sheep at the final wrap-up of all things, and He says to those on His right... You know, behold, inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You will get there based on His righteousness alone. You've got something to look forward to. It's a, he's, he's coming back with a performance evaluation and you are going to be performed or you're going to be evaluated on His performance and not yours. Don't y'all like that? Now, if, if I thought for just a moment that when Christ was coming back to judge the living and the dead, when Christ was coming back to judge those uh, who, who are his or not his. If I thought for just a moment or for just a little bit of that judgment, it would be based upon how I had performed or what I had done. I tell you, I wouldn't sleep tonight, would y'all? But listen, if you understand that salvation is by grace, you'll understand that you can sleep peacefully at night knowing that Jesus Christ is enough for you and that when he comes back, he's not coming back in judgment for you based on your works or based on what you have done but he's coming back to judge you based on his own merit. Then I believe we can all be a little, little that, that, that'll make it a happy hope, isn't it? That's the first time that somebody's coming back to judge me and they're going to find me guiltless, faultless, justified. And he says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing 
and in his kingdom. I spent a lot more time there than I wanted to today, but I'm going to tell you this. First of all, Christ isn't just bringing the kingdom then. Christ has a kingdom now. Okay, Christ has a kingdom now. I believe if you're in the church today, you are a part of the kingdom. The, the, certainly the church is a part of the kingdom, but the kingdom is bigger uh, than the church. You know, the kingdom of God is something that has always been in opposition to the world. You know, there are the kingdoms of the world and there's the kingdom of God, right? When Satan came to uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, he tempted him by saying, I'll give you all these kingdoms in some way indicating that Satan had rule or control over some of those kingdoms, but Christ was coming to establish his own kingdom. You know, he had established the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. God had done that, and it's a microcosm of what he was going to do for the whole earth. He was going to establish a kingdom, and, 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 and the king came out of that original kingdom that he established um, years and years ago but as as christ came he's established a global kingdom and the, and the message of god is not limited to a little nation in the middle east today it's a global kingdom that trans it transcends every boundary that's ever been created it's not it, it transcends a boundary created by nato or superpowers of the world it goes across the globe today the a kingdom is where is where is where the king reigns and if christ is reigning in your heart today then you're part of the kingdom aren't you Christ said that we should pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now our prayer should be that the kingdom spreads. And you know what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it's in verse 24, that at the final wrap-up of all things, another thing he's going to do is Christ is going to deliver his kingdom up to the Father, and then we will be in a kingdom where there will be no enemies. Isn't that amazing? Today we're part of a kingdom that's... that's um, you know, it's threatened on every side. There's people that are pushing against it. There's people that, that want to have nothing to do with it. There's people that want to shut it down, although they cannot shut it down. They will try their best to do so. But when Christ comes back at his appearing, when he comes back to judge the quick and the dead, he's taking the kingdom. He's going to present it to the Father, and then we will be in the kingdom without any enemies. We're looking forward to that day, aren't we? Especially death. Death will not be a part of that kingdom. So he says... I'm charging you before this king who's coming back. Now, we get, to, we get to verse 2. And here's the charge that Paul gives to this minister. What is the most important thing? I mean, this has to be the most important thing that Paul had for him. He's, he saved it to the end. He knows that he's shortly going to be departing from this earth. And this solemn charge that he gives to Timothy in three words, he says, preach the word. You want to know what is the what what is the job of the minister of God, of the pastor of the church, of the elder of the of the of the ministry? It is simply to preach the word. Their number one job is to preach the word. My job, Neil's job, others who come among us, the the the, the job of the minister is to herald the gospel or the good news or the word of God, the one that was given by inspiration of God, the one that is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, as he said in the 16th verse of chapter 3. And this solemn charge that he gives to Timothy is to preach the word, publish the word. When, when the apostle Peter is writing to the scattered saints, he turns to the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it's verse 2, 
And, he, and he's exhorting the elders that are among him, and he says, I want you to feed the flock of God. You remember that? He says, your job is to feed the flock. It reminds me a lot of the end of, uh, the end of the book of John where Jesus came to Peter, and he asked him you know, three times if he loves him, and every time that Peter says yes, he says, I want you to feed my sheep, and I want you to feed my lamb, and I want you to feed my sheep. He says, he says, your job, Peter, is to go out and feed the children of God. And so Paul here is saying, you need to preach the word. That is how God's sheep are fed, is on the word of God. Jesus himself said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? We are to, we are to feed ourselves. What, and, and listen, that takes the pressure off of men like me and McNeil, we don't have to come before you on a Sunday morning and think, what am I going to preach? What kind of experience could I preach? What kind of uh, you know, interesting story could I preach today? Or what kind of life lesson could I preach today? No, all you are tasked with as a minister of God is to come before God's people and proclaim the word. If, if, if I die tomorrow, find a man that comes and preaches the word. You know, you can find some people that like to preach uh, jokes. <laughs> I like to have fun. We laugh here sometimes, right? But I'm not here to be a comedian. Some people, you hear them preach, and, it's, and they're the star of the show, what they've done. No, it's all about the Word, and the Word is all about Jesus, right? Search the Scriptures. Friend, them, you think you have eternal life, and there they were testify of me. If a man of God stands before you, and you don't, uh, you, you don't hear a lot about Jesus, then he's not preaching the Word, because the Word's all about Jesus. Do y'all understand that today? He says, preach the, listen, this is what Paul is saying. In a world that is perilous, in a world that's full of deceivers and counterfeits and, and, and people that are trying to entrap you and people that are being deceived themselves but also deceiving others as they get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. He says, Timothy, the thing that the people are going to need is the Word of God. It's not some self-help book. It's not, it's not some type of philosophy out there. He says, what people need is the Word of God. Of God, And what we need as a people is the Word of God. The Word of God is what shows us how we are saved. The Word of God is what shows us how we can be saved from temptation, from the pitfalls of this world. You know, it shows us, uh, he said in the 17th verse of that third chapter, that the Word of God was given, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He says that the Word of God completely equips you to do what God has called and created you to do. You say, how can I do what God has called me to do? You have to dig into the Word of God, right? We should, we, I, I wish I was more passionate about the Word of God. I wish I would, I, I just, I think we should all, we would all benefit to be refocused on the Word of God. And in a world, as Brother McNeil's already said, as I've pointed to, as Brother Michael read in that book today, in a world that is, that is, that is just vying for our attention everywhere, we have to be intentional about spending time in the Word of God, right? It's like, why do you come to church on Sundays? Because, you know, why is the, have you ever thought, why is the pulpit right here? Is it because y'all like to see me behind it and my beautiful face? Somebody could say yes. I mean, I'd be okay if one person said yes. No, because it's, it's all focused on the Word of God, right? That's why, that's why this is here. That's why the man of God stands here. And the Word of God is put in the middle because it is the focal point of God's church, of God's people. He says, preach the Word. Be instant, in season and out of season. He says to the man of God who's to preach the Word, he says, you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. 
This word instant, it, it brings with it a sense of urgency. And so the man of God, the preacher of God, is supposed to live his life and preach the gospel with a sense of urgency because that is what people need. And if you have a man of God who believes that the word of God is sufficient for all of life's problems, it is sufficient to deliver God's people, it is sufficient to, to tell us how the church should function and how we should function. And it is a, it is, if, if a man of God truly believes that the word of God is a thorough furnisher, then he will have this zeal inside of him or this burning desire inside of him to preach it because he knows that the word of God is the answer to people's problems, right? And, and so... So there's this sense of urgency that should come with the man of God as he preaches. I wrote this quote down. I sent it to, to McNeil last night. It's from George Whitfield, a Methodist preacher in early you know, colonial America. He said, a preacher, whenever he enters the pulpit, should look upon it as the last time he might preach and the last time his people might hear. I love that. When a man enters the pulpit, you know, sometimes we think, well, I'll be here next Sunday and I'll be here. And I do it, too. I think, well, I you know, I got in trouble the other day. I said, I've got to do something. And both said, no, Dad, you get to do something. That was this week. Y'all remember that? Sometimes I think i got to preach again next week. Well, by God's grace, I believe he'll give me something to preach next week. And I should say, I get to preach next week. But if not, I should preach today as if I'll never preach again. And hopefully you will hear as if you'll never hear again. And, and, and I believe what he's saying to Timothy here. Because truly, if you preach the word of God, there's going to be times where it, it seems like people are, are, are into it and they're amening it. And there's going to be times when people, I mean, you know I can see, that's one of the things that amazes me. Y'all know I can see you. <laughs> and most of y'all give me attention today, but sometimes I've seen people so, maybe they're emailing themselves points from my sermon. <laughs> I'm afraid they're not. If you are, tell me later, and I'll, I'll give you a pass on it, okay? I quoted Brother Sam earlier. I heard him in a sermon one time say, it's amazing, people examine a songbook like they've never seen one before, <laughs> and they're trying to figure out what it is. Well, I'm trying to preach to them. <laughs> well, he tells the preacher, Timothy, he says, be instant, in season and out of season. When the, when the times are good, when the times are bad. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That's to correct people, to warn people. You know, one of the jobs of the minister is to put people on high alert, that there are, there are true dangers out there for your soul. But on the flip side of that, he says, that's, that's to reprove and rebuke. But he also says that you're to exhort. You're to be an encourager. You're to be, the, the, the pastor shouldn't, see, Look, look, you've got, you got two sides of a coin here for the pastor, what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to reprove and rebuke over here. He's to warn you. Sometimes that means if you're reproving or rebuking someone, you know, you're telling them that they're doing something that is wrong. How many of y'all like to hear that you're doing something that's wrong? Now, if you've got a minister or a pastor who is reproving and rebuking, if every Sunday I come in here and I reprove you and I rebuke you, well, part of that's good, but if you don't do it with the other side of the coin, which is encouraging you, then you've done it wrong, right? You could be an encourager all the time and say, no, you're great. No, it's wonderful. God's going to see it through. A lot of those things could be true, but if you're not warning people, then they don't have the, they don't have the, 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 the warnings that they need. If you're just getting up here and saying, y'all aren't doing it good enough, and I, I saw you were here at 1031. We start at 1030. 
I've done that before, but I'm just saying. I saw you sleeping. I saw you on your phone. I know, I know you could have been here last Sunday, but you weren't. I, you know, I saw what you posted on Facebook. <laughs> I could do that all the time, just beat you down, beat you down, beat you down, right? Now, this, this, the servant of the Lord is not a drill sergeant. <laughs> He's an encourager, too. He's not, just, he's not just someone that beats you down and tells you what you do wrong. He's someone that encourages you on the flip side of that. And so he tells Timothy, he says, you need to not only reprove them and rebuke them, but what, what, your, what your church is going to need and what the people of God are going to need is to be warned. You're to check them. You're to warn them of the dangers ahead, ahead but also encourage them with all long-suffering and doctrine. Did you notice that? That part of the, the way that we are encouraged to continue on in the battle of life is through doctrine. It's through the teaching. If you are a faithful teacher, expositor of God's word, he says that is one of the ways that you encourage your congregation is through the word of God. And he says being long-suffering, being patient, being kind. You know, the, if, if, if as the pastor of this church, I need to be patient with you all, and you all need to be patient with me, right? And if we're patient with each other, then, then, then we, will, we will be in the proper mindset to continue on as a church and to continue to fight the battle of life together. Listen, I've, I've got just a few minutes, and I'm, I'll, I've got more than I probably can handle, but he says, listen, in verse 3, the reason that people are going to need the word and the reason that you need to preach the word is because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. See, I believe that's why he told him you need to be instant or ready or urgent in all seasons. When you're in season, when you're out of season. Because listen, the people of Ephesus may be they may be receiving the word today and hearts may be open, but Timothy, there's coming a time when people will not endure. That means to tolerate or put up with sound doctrine. They say true, healthy doctrine that is safe for your soul, that encourages you, that, that will help you grow, that is, that is the, the, the truth of God's word. Listen to the warning that Paul gives. He says there is coming a time when people won't put up with it. They won't have it. And, and he was telling Timothy that that time was coming, and I will say that certainly that time is here. You know, I read John Gill a lot, and he was a Baptist minister from the 1700s. I think he wrote his commentaries from the 1740s to the 1760s. And when he commented on this verse, you know, he's in the mid-1700s, and he said, Surely... That time has come now for us. Can you imagine what Brother Gill would think today? There, the time has come when there, people will not put up with sound doctrine. I talked to a brother recently and he was so excited about the doctrines of grace. And he said, it's just so discouraging that everybody I bring it up to has a, a, a rejection of it. Or they have something negative to say about it. And, and I wanted to say, you know, I, I told um, 
I just started pastoring the church, and, and I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I told Brother Ronald Lawrence, I said, you know, the thing that's, uh, that bothers me the most is there's people that I know could be faithful, good church members, and I just can't get them involved, and I just can't get them, you know, I can't get them there, <laughs> not even there on time. Sometimes I can't get them there, and it's so frustrating. And he said, welcome to the club. <laughs> well... That's kind of what I want to tell that brother of the day. You know, the truth of God's word. There's just, there's, there is a large group of people who will just not put up with it. And, 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 and we shouldn't be surprised by that because Paul says that time is coming. Some 2,000 years ago, he prophesied that the time is coming. And certainly in all generations, I believe it has gotten worse and worse and worse. He says, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He says the time is going to come. And listen, these are people who are capable of hearing the truth. But they choose not to hear the truth. Paul's not writing about individuals who are, who are void of the Spirit of God. Right? Because if you don't have the Spirit of God... You don't choose not to hear the truth. You don't turn your ear away from the truth. You can't hear the truth. So he's saying this is to people like us. He says after their own lusts, because of their own carnal desires and cravings, they will heap to themselves teachers. He says they will have, it's, it's not that they won't seek out teaching or preaching or instruction or philosophy. It's just that they won't go to the true teaching and preaching, right? He says, having itching ears. It's literally a word picture of they have an itch that they need scratched, and it's not an itch for the truth. It's a desire for what they want. You know, you look out and you see these ministries of these men who, who bring in millions of dollars, and they teach a, a doctrine of, and listen, it's bad here, but it's taking over poor countries like Africa, this this health and wealth doctrine or gospel is so popular there. And you can imagine if you were someone who has nothing and a man of God comes to you and says, if you'll have enough faith, if you'll believe, if you'll be faithful, if you'll give to my ministry, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And listen, there's a part of us that wants us healthy, wealthy, and wise too, right? And so it, it scratches an itch that we have for ourselves. And so that's why this... You know, the, the prosperity gospel has gone out and is so popular today uh, like, like never before. It's because people have a desire for those things. And so they heap to themselves teachers and it, and it, and it scratches an itch that they have. But listen to what happens there. As, as, that, as that itch begins to be scratched, if you will, because they have these itching ears, the, the result of that in, in verse 4 says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. As they find a messenger, as people find messengers who will preach what they want to hear, not what the word of God says, that results in them turning their ears away from the truth altogether, and they shall be turned unto fables, unto myths, you know, mythologies, things that are not true. It may, it may use the name of Jesus, but it's as far from the truth as, as Islam, right? 
He says, he says they will be turned unto fables. Verse 5, I'll close with this. He says, but watch thou in all things. You say, what, what can I do knowing that, that the time is coming when sound doctrine will not be put up with in society? Well, here, here's what he told Timothy you can do. He says, I want you to watch. That, that means to be calm and collected in your spirit and carry on. You know, I've told you about the, we, we, they have t-shirts and all kinds of things in today that say, be calm and carry on. And, and from what I found, that statement came during World War II from Britain when they were, they were, they were, they were under attack and they were being bombed. And, and they put out that statement, what do we do when we're under attack and things aren't going our way? They said, be calm and carry on. If people don't want to hear the truth, He's saying to Timothy, keep preaching the truth anyways. It's almost, a, 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 in some ways, this stoic mindset that don't get too down about it. You probably shouldn't get too up about it when people, uh, when people uh, rejoice in the truth. <laughs> you know, you should have, um, uh, you, you should have some, you know, I've, I've, I've seen people who rejoice in the truth and two or three days later, they wouldn't have the truth. It's amazing. You know, there's that parable of the sower that the devil is coming in. The people that hear the word of God, he wants to snatch it from them, right? And the cares of this world will snatch it from them. So maybe we should, in some ways, be cautious of those who receive the truth. But, but on the, really, on the other side of that, he says, if they're not receiving the truth, if it's a time when the truth is not in season and the word of God is not going forth, he says, you still continue on. You keep your wits about you. You do not get so down that you quit. I'm going to tell you, you know, the stats are staggering if you look at the ministry. When we look at Christianity as a whole, the, the amount of pastors and preachers that quit since 2020, just since COVID, it's amazing how discouraged the ministry got. And they quit. And, and, and I'm not uh, belittling them because the, 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 uh, the possibility is there that I quit or that you quit or that McNeil quits. But, but the call on, on the life of the child of God, especially the minister, but anyone who has professed faith in Christ, been baptized, become a part of his church, is to keep calm and carry on. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. He says, make full proof of thy ministry. And today you may not have a public ministry where men have laid hands on you to preach the word of God, or a church has licensed you to go out and preach the word of God. But every one of us in this room today who has professed faith in Christ, when, if we've come forward to be baptized and publicly proclaim him and profess him and follow him, we all have a ministry, don't we? Maybe it's a ministry at home. Maybe it's a ministry at work. It's a, it's, maybe it's the ministry of, of, of presence, you know, just being there for others. Uh, in their time of need. Maybe you have a ministry where you're caring for people or a ministry where you encourage people. I believe God's given all of his children a ministry as priests and kings, which he has made us to God. We all have a certain ministry that we are to uh, work out in our lives. And what Paul says to Timothy is, I want you to carry through your, when he says make full proof of your ministry, he says, I want you to carry it through to the end. So once again, we'll close with this. What is the call that Paul has on Timothy's life? It is to stay faithful and continue. Even though times may be bad 
and deceivers may abound more abundantly and more abundantly. And even though your friends and your family and those people that you, that you, that you know are children of God and you know they love the Lord, but yet when it comes to the doctrines of grace or to sound healthy doctrine that truly explains the Bible and truly frees the soul to know that Jesus was enough when they reject that, don't let it get you down. He's telling Timothy, don't let it get you down. Just keep preaching it. Keep ministering it. Keep sowing the seed. He told the Galatians, he said, don't grow, will, don't grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There was a man, I can't remember his name now, but um, from Florida, and they say he was one of the most evangelical men that the, that the old Baptists have ever seen. And, um, you know, brought many people to the church. Many people could, could tie back their, um, you know, they could trace back coming to the church through him. And he was, you know, he said there, do the work of an evangelist. You think that's just for Josh. Now this man would bring tapes to work. And in the break room, he'd listen to tapes and invite others to listen to the tapes. He'd invite them to listen to the podcast as, as, as technology advanced. He'd invite them to church. And somebody once asked him, he said, what's the key? To, I mean, all this success that you've had, all these people that you've brought in over the years, what's the key? And he says, for every 100 or 200 that I ask, one of them shows up. <laughs> Think about that. But he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He, 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 he accomplished his ministry, didn't he? He endured. Let's be those kind of people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings of this life. Thank you for the word of God that you've given us to preach, to proclaim. Help us to desire it. Help us to, to feed on it, uh, to desire it as much as we would physical food. Thank you for Brother McNeil's message on the kingdom of God. Help us to, help us to be wise and help us to be ready and, 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 and help us to do the things the, the simple things, to read your word and, and meditate upon your word and pray and, and, and be a part of the fellowship so that, that it seems like those times where Christ comes to us are more often and often and often, that we would lay hold on eternal life. God, help me to preach the word. Help McNeil to preach the word. Help us to be hearers of the word. Help us not to get tired of the word, become bored with the word. And whether it's being accepted or rejected, may we be found faithful ministers of your word, faithful priests, faithful ministers. God, help us open doors that we could be encouraged by those who are receptive to the gospel of grace, the gospel of unmerited favor with God, unconditional election before the world began. May that message spread. May people not turn their ears from it, but turn, but turn people's hearts to it, Lord. And open doors for us that this church may grow, that the gospel may go forward in Birmingham, Alabama. This would be a, a shining light in your world that, that something special is happening in Birmingham, Alabama. God, bless us in spite of our weaknesses and our failings. Bless us for Christ and his sake alone. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
We'll sing a, a hymn now, give an opportunity. If there's anyone here that wants to unite with the church, uh, you can come forward and let that desire be known. Do you have a song, Brother Joshua?